Hey, hey, it's Nelva Medora here with a swipes email, which is, of course, a swipe, wisdom, interesting picture, essay, and a sketch. It's a fun little email for Friday. I really hope you enjoy. So let's get started with a swipe. So in old school print advertising, you had to cram a lot of information into a small space because you were advertising in these like weird small slots in the back of newspapers or magazines. So it would be like a two inch by three inch little square or something that you can advertise in. So this is an interesting ad that hits all the points of a good sales message. Um, attention, interest, desire, and action. And what it is, it says, Darling Pet Monkey, 1895. And keep in mind, this is 1962, so $18.95 was, you know, probably, you know, 200 bucks or a hundred bucks. So it has everything you need in this one little area. So this is one of the reasons I often look at old ads because old ads back in the day, if you were to send it, it required a lot of capital to actually buy the ad space, figure out where this ad was going to be best received, then write the absolute best copy you possibly could with attention, interest, desire, and action all built in and a great image. And if your ad failed, you actually lost a lot of money. And if it did really well, you could potentially make a lot of money. But remember, you could lose a lot of money if you send five ads in a row. So that's why I often look towards these old ads because they could teach you a lot about good ads. And this Darling Pet Monkey was an ad that ran for quite a while. I'm sure there were some sort of animal rights activist problems with this. But it is kind of interesting that this Pet Monkey ad just worked so well. Um, here's a bit of wisdom. This is a common path I've seen people take online. So number one, you learn some skills, let's say web design or something, and then you freelance for quick income. Then you sell a small digital product for income based off of that skill that you had. Then you make a business out of your skill. Then you hire people to deliver that skill, maybe even build a service agency for that skill. Then you build a personal following, which is kind of a more recent occurrence. And then you use the following that you built to launch your next thing. This is a common path I've seen taken and uh, sounds like a pretty good business model actually now. In the past, this was just not available as much as social networks were not as good, cohesive, or as large. But now most social networks are nearly species-wide platforms. So you could really just you know launch an entire business off of these things. Some people who have several hundred thousand people in their following can expect you know between one to 10% of people to buy something from them. And so if you just do those numbers and you sell something, you can kind of see how much you make. It's really interesting. Speaking of interesting, here's something else interesting. Uh, I actually had two ideas for Twitter I'd like to put out there. Do I think these will be picked up? I don't know, but I thought they were cool, so I thought it was just worth writing out. Um, idea number one is allow people to browse email like a Twitter feed. So whenever I'm scrolling Twitter or Instagram or anything, any social network for that, that matter, it, you had just like mindless like scrolling, just like up, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, right? Like on your phone. But email makes me click back and forth hundreds of times per session. So if I have 100 emails in my inbox, a lot of them are kind of like, you know, junk mail or get, you know, ad from Huckberry or Wayfair or something. I have to click it, go back, click it, go back, click it, go back, click archive back, click archive back. And I do that hundreds of times per session. And I'm like, well, we have this great methodology of just scrolling. What if instead we scroll email and it shows me an email that looks kind of like a tweet, right? Like a long tweet. And as I scroll by it, it just if I scroll past it and don't take any action, it just gets automatically archived. I don't have to push anything. I don't have to say archive. I don't have to put it somewhere. It just automatically archives. So as soon as I scroll by it, it archives. So if it's just a Wayfair ad, I, I look at it, eh, whatever, just keep going. I don't have to actually think about it and go back to my inbox and click another thing. So I am very interested if email takes another format like this soon. I've just never seen it done. And I think it actually work 
really, really well. Um, if you're asking why don't I build it, it's very difficult to build a company based off this one feature. It's more just like a feature that anyone could replicate. And you know, this is, SMT is an open protocol. So I don't know that this is something I could really make money on. But I think if Twitter did something like this, they would actually get the most value of it. And the reason is Twitter has actually 200 to 300 million active users, but there are 4 billion active email users. So if you made a much better email interface, you can actually get a lot of people to use Twitter just for the email support and then also just switch over to the feed on Twitter. And you can also do cool things. Like for example, it would search Twitter's database for someone's email address and show you their Twitter uh, handle. So if Matt S., uh, emails me. I don't know who he is. You know, Matt S at gmail.com. I have nothing about him, but if Twitter said, Oh, here's his Twitter feed. I can click on it and then see whole t- t- feed of, you know, what he's doing. That's a very powerful thing. So people do 40 to 120 emails a day. People are on email half of the day. A lot of that could be absorbed by Twitter if they made a better email experience. So anyways, I wrote some extra details in here. I won't bore you with those. Um, idea number two, I don't know what I think about this. I think it'd be interesting if they tried a small scale test on this, but allow voice memos on Twitter. So for example, if you are listening to this right now, um, you're listening to me doing a podcast type thing. And for you to be interested in this, it has to be a couple minutes long for you to be interested to click on it and listen and dedicate time to it. But on Twitter, imagine like a micro podcasting type feature, much like iOS or Android allows you to send a voice memo. That could be really cool. And it would auto transcribe, of course. That's a must on Twitter. You don't want to have to people to have to click to listen to everything. It would auto transcribe and it would maybe limit the text, the audio to 30 seconds to one minute so people can't ramble too long. It would auto transcribe it and that's how you can tweet. I think it would add a whole dimension of uh, media onto Twitter, like, like short form podcasts or little micro podcasts, kind of like that. So I think it'd be pretty cool. Um, here is an interesting picture that I got. So for my private community, I chose to use a heavily modified forum over other social platforms like circle.so or something or Facebook groups. And the reason for this was not that I'm trying to be different. It was that so members can post really, really long things. So people get feedback on their sales pages or blog posts. And we used to have a Facebook group where we tried to do this and it was almost impossible. Like one, you just cannot post the copy from a sales page on a Facebook post. It, it just looks ridiculous. There's no formatting, there's no headlines, there's no boxes, there's no images, no nothing. Not only that, but the, these posts that we take have to accommodate, accommodate different you know, fonts and images and boxes and call outs and quotes and stuff. And this is just impossible on Facebook groups or other platforms. So I had to go custom. I included a picture here that I can write normal text. I can do big headlines. I can make boxes. I can add images all in line. And then the next person can come and uh, make an even longer uh, feedback for that. So I also wanted all the content that we had to be integrated, tracked, and you can unlock it and lock it based on access if someone has guessed or has bought the course. And things like this were very hard to do without going fully custom, unfortunately. I'm usually against making fully customized software because it's just this whole albatross you have to take care of. But in the end, like it created a really cool program. And so Copywriting Course does all these things that other places just can't, which is kind of neat. Anyways, I nerd out on the backend components of courses communities. And from what I've learned over the years, no one cares. <laughs> Literally, no one cares what the back end of your course really looks like all that much, so long as they get the value they paid for it. That is just something I learned the hard way. I used to like take, try to like style the courses in a certain way. No one cares at all. <laughs> just me. Uh, here's a fun little 
essay. So I'm not saying any of this is good or bad, but I had a candid conversation with a friend who is very close uh, on a daily basis with five plus multi-billionaires, multi-billionaires, mind you, not just regular old billionaires. And here's some notes I wrote down from the conversation. Number one, there's always someone around if you're a billionaire, an assistant, a hair person, a security, nanny, chef, maid, driver. There's not really many times when you're completely alone. My friend was like, yeah, there's, there's like always someone there with them doing something like there's just too much stuff going on for them to be completely alone. Um, here's another thing. Number two, as he said, uh, you can make your house like the fanciest spa or hotel you've ever been to. So if you went to this high end resort in Morocco and they had an awesome hammam, like a little spa, you could hire the same company to literally build you a personal one. Uh, just just at, at some point money, if you're a multi-billionaire, you have essentially what normal people would consider unlimited funds to do anything like dropping $2 million on something would not really be a big deal. So if you liked your bathroom at the W presidential suite in Shanghai, you can literally replicate that exact same thing for your guest bathroom at home. It's, it's pretty, he's like, it's pretty crazy what you can do, you know, at a certain level. I also said, number three, he said, weird realms of possibility open up at that level of wealth. So one, you could buy or rent any physical thing on the planet. Um, think about how that impacts what you do. So for example, when you go to buy a house, you are buying houses based on, of course, what your family needs, but also on your budgetary restrictions. Um, buying a house was the first time I personally ever felt like poor. I was just like, holy crap, I didn't realize houses were so expensive. I thought I could buy any house I wanted. Turns out there is a limit, right? So imagine you have enough money to where like no house in any city at all ever is too expensive. Like think about like YouTube videos you see of like a hundred million dollar house in LA. Well, you could just buy that and it wouldn't even be that big of a deal. So uh, also if you see like a cool airplane, you can afford two, one for you, one for your partner, something like that. Or if you have a cool plot of land, but you can't land those two cool planes you just bought there, you literally just build an airstrip, a hangar and a private road. At those levels of wealth, those types of possibilities start to open up, whereas a normal person would never really think like that. Or if you have a specific car, but have house that you really like, and we have houses in California and France, you literally just buy two of the same car and put one at each home. Um, so there, there's all these like really not normal things that are now accessible at like these intensely high levels of wealth. Uh, number four, access to anything gets so much easier. He said, if you want to meet a rock star or talk to a foreign country's ambassador or president, it could usually just be arranged pretty simply. And there's a whole team of people that you have with essentially unlimited budget, uh, working with whatever weird whim you have. Uh, he said, if you buy a cool yacht or a cool plane, everyone wants to ride in it. It's pretty simple to have like, you know, a huge yacht and be like, hey, you want to go on this huge yacht? Most people be like, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> so politicians, business people, or anyone becomes kind of grateful to you for the opportunity. So this means influence becomes a lot easier. And then number six, um, he didn't say this is good or bad. He just said like, this is what he's noticed is that developing new friendships with normal people is harder as people often have other motives for befriending you. Like maybe they see the access that you have or that you hang out with like celebrities or whatever, or that you have crazy houses all over the world. So are they hanging out you for with you for you or for that stuff? I mean, when you're poor, your friends are hanging out with you because they're friends and family and they like you. When you've got a lot of stuff, you always have to question like, you know, are what's the reason they're hanging around or are they eventually going to try to ask me for money or favors? Um, he also said that having a normal relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever, becomes 
a lot harder because the power dynamic is so tilted in your favor. So if you, you know, if you're a multi, multi, multi billionaire and you're dating someone just normal, you're obviously doing things that the other person just could never do for you. Like, you know, charter a jumbo jet, a private jumbo jet and and fly 75 of your closest friends across the country. This is not something they could ever provide for you. And so the power dynamic becomes very off kilter. And so having a normal relationship uh, is is much harder. So once again, not saying any things are good or bad, just browse some interesting observations I picked up from that conversation. Here's a fun little sketch. So the circle of influence concept I've talked about on this uh, a bunch of times can also be applied to business. And so if you apply it to business, it's your circle of control is those things you have 100% control over in your business and should focus on the most, such as your product, your social media, your websites, your emails, your customer service, those types of things. Uh, your circle of influence is things in your business that you have some control over, but you can't 100% control them. These are like such as your employees, your SEO results in the search engines, your product reviews, the perception of your product, the word of mouth marketing. These are things you could definitely have influence on, but you can't 100% control. And then the external circle is things you actually shouldn't worry about too much, but rather adapt around them. And this is things such as the economy, recessions, bull markets, foreign competitors. You just simply cannot control these things. These are not things that you can influence or control really at all. The only thing you can do to those types of things is adapt and compete. So if the economy is bad and you're in a recession, well, it's not like you could just control that and change that. Instead, you have to adapt. What are people going to buy during recession? What are people going to cut out during recession? Uh, do you have to let go of employees? Do you have to trim the amount of spend you're doing? What are those things that you can actually control and ignore that like the recession is happening because it's just going to happen whether you want it to or not? So I thought that was pretty cool. Anyways, um, my name is Neville Medora. If you like these little Friday tidbits, let me know. Subscribe to my newsletter if you haven't done it already, copywritingcourse.com slash newsletter. And do me a favor, tell someone else about it. Tweet about it. Put it on Facebook, LinkedIn. That's the way that I grow and keep, keep these coming. And also, if I do really well with these, the quality of these goes even up and up. So tell someone else about the, the Swipes email and let me know if I can improve it in any way. My name is Neville Medora. I will talk to you later.